We uh, ended last week with the end of Revelation 13. Revelation 13 is the chapter on the Antichrist. I'm not going to be teaching on that today. I just want to make a reference if you'll read the very last verse in chapter 13. And I'll read this verse and just wind that off for now. And it says, Here is wisdom, let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. Notice here the number of a man. The beast is a man here. For it is the number of a man, and his number is six hundred three score and six, which as we know is six six six. And I think most people understand that. Now the irony of this Bible lesson that we're going into today completely changes away from that changes away from it and it talks about things that are going to happen in the next three and a half years following the time when the antichrist takes over now i'm going to show you a chart up here and uh i'm going to have our ushers to pass out your brother will pass out our lesson for today and this is going to be on the 14th chapter of the book of revelation but i want to uh show you here uh some things here on a chart fashion. All right. This is the chart on the book of Revelation. And uh, let me get a focus a little bit. This is a chart on the book of Revelation. I realize you can't read it. But what we have already talked about is all the events that's happened. Down the bottom here is the chapters that we've been going through. These are the events that we've talked about. I won't go into those now. Go right on up to, to this point right here. And then we come to a, a period of time that's called Daniel's 70th week. It's a period of time that lasts for seven years. Very exact in the Bible. Sometimes it says 42 months, sometimes it says 1,300 or 288 days or something like that. It's, it's always three and a half years. Or it'll say a time, times, a time is one year, times with an S is two years. Those together make three years. Time, times, and a half a time is three and a half years. And you'll find that in the book of Daniel mentioned about four different times in reference to this. In the book of Revelation, it's also mentioned about three or four times. And so... It's referring to this period of time right in here. And for the first three and a half years, the uh, Antichrist will rise to power. Now, at the end of this period is Armageddon here. I'm not interested in that so much as I want to emphasize this period called Daniel's 70th week just for a moment. And then I'm going to go into a lesson here today. But if you'll notice here, the first three and a half years is when the Antichrist is rising to power. It's also when the two prophets come back and turn Israel back to God. Uh, We've already talked about that. That happened in chapters uh, 11 and uh, refers to it also in 13. But in chapters 11 and then 12 as well. And it also talks about the Antichrist uh, will rule or begins to rule half the world. And then finally, 
In the middle of that period of time, the Antichrist becomes world conquerors. He conquers the whole world. And the Antichrist will literally, actually rule the world for three and a half years. That's this last three and a half year period here. And we're starting here, uh, we started with chapter uh, 12, and uh, we're going into chapter 14. 14 is here because 14 is a, is a prophetic chapter. Now, what happens here when you get through chapter 13, which is all about the Antichrist, and this is rising to power and, his, and going to rule the world and so forth, is this, that the Antichrist will be in power, but God begins to say there are some things that he is going to deal with in these last three and a half years. And that's what we're going to be looking at between verses 14, I mean, chapter 14 to chapter 19. For five chapters, the Lord talks about some things he's going to deal with in this last, and they're all cooped up in this last three and a half year period of time here. So we put the Antichrist on hold and we deal with these other things that God says I'm going to deal with, talk to you about, and some things I want to bring out that I want you as a people, that's us, to know beforehand that will happen in the last days. That is the last days of the before Armageddon. And understand that the next great event that takes place spiritually is the coming of the Lord, the rapture. This is why we're seeing, folks, all this stuff going on today is that it's getting ready. How many of you have been seeing a little bit about the meeting? I don't know. We had that debate, presidential debate one night. forgot what night it was. Tuesday night, I forgot. Tuesday night, Monday night, I forgot. Anyhow, the very next morning, the very next day, Trump was in a conference with world leaders in the Midwest. They said, I don't know how you're doing it. You debated last night and here you're in a meeting. He said, well, this is my day job. <laughs> so anyhow, President Trump said, this is my day job. So anyhow, he, he's working this out between the Jews, Netanyahu, who is the prime minister of Israel, was, was on the line. And uh, also many of these leaders of these Arab countries, and they're all starting to agree now to coming together. And they're trying to bring harmony. And what President Trump is trying to do is to bring a unification and a harmony in the Middle East. In the Middle East. He doesn't really know if he's going to be, if he's going back in as president yet or not. He doesn't know that. So I guess he wants to accomplish this before, if it should do the, go the other way. I'm only pointing all that out to say that this happened this week, that he met with all these world leaders. So things are happening. Things are happening. And so this is all to let us know that we're coming closer to that period of time now. I want to go into chapter 14 because this is one of the most interesting chapters in the book of Revelation. And this lesson that I'm going to teach here today, if you forget everything I've ever taught, don't forget what I'm going to tell you today. Don't forget it. Because this is a very important truth that I'm going to pass along to you here here this morning. Now, look at, uh, we're going into Revelations chapter 14, verse 1. You should have your handouts at this time. Let me put these over here. And I'll put our handouts, a copy of it up here on the screen. All right. And this is the, the uh, 
things coming on the earth, the book of Revelation, I'm going to push this up a little bit. This is lesson 12, and it deals with the uh, book of Revelation. I'm going to push this on up to Revelation 14 to be able to get number E and down to bottom. Now, I don't know if we'll be able to cover everything, but uh, this is basically what we're looking at here. Now, I want you to look at chapter 14, verse 1. Everybody with me? And our scriptures, everything, 14, 1. And I looked and lo, a lamb stood on Mount Zion. A lamb. Uh, Mount Zion, of course, is, is Jerusalem. It's in, it's in Jerusalem. It is Jerusalem. And uh, it's the west side of the Temple Mount. And it says a lamb stood on the lamb. This is an interesting thing. I have this in your notes if you want to look at it there. And that is that the, the word lamb here, uh, the name Jesus appears only five times in the book of Revelation. Revelations 2 through Revelations 22. It only appears five times, the book of Jesus. But the word lamb, the word lamb appears 28 times, 28 times from Revelations 5 through Revelations 22. And this prompts the question, why is the word lamb used throughout the book of Revelation and not the word Jesus? You know, it's referring to Jesus. Jesus was the lamb of God. You know, John the Baptist said, behold, the lamb of the lamb that taken away the sin of the world and so forth. So I want to just go into this a little bit with you here. Number two here, the answer. You, this, you have this in your notes there. Number two, the answer Probably because Jesus is God's name given us for salvation. That is, this is his name for salvation. But Jesus means Jehovah hath become salvation. Jesus means Jehovah hath become salvation. And uh, this is the answer for that. Look look in uh, Matthew 121. This is what I'm referring to here. Now, this is why Jesus is so important to us, folks. And this means Jehovah hath become salvation. And he is our salvation. Some people don't like the name Jesus. But it means Jehovah or it means Yahweh. It's the same thing. It's, it means the word L-O-R-D, all capital letters in the Bible. It means the I am that appeared unto, unto Moses. I am. That is the name of God. I am is a, is a, in the Hebrew, could not be pronounced. I won't go into details on that, but it's very interesting. <coughs> Let me say it like this. When the Lord said to Moses, when the, he said, what's your name? Moses said, Lord, what's your name? The Lord said, my name is I am. So when Moses went to the children of Israel and they said, who sent thee? Moses could not say I am because it's not him. But if he said he is, it changes the whole thing. It changes the name. The word I am is an ever existing God Ever place, all places, all times, ever was, and so forth. It's all, it's ever present. So anyhow, I won't go into details, but, but Jesus means I am hath become salvation or Jehovah hath become. Jehovah is where you take J-H-V-H, could not be pronounced. You put the vowels in between, you make Jehovah. Or Yahweh, the same thing, you put two vowels in there. I won't go into detail. That's an interesting study within itself. My point here that I want to bring out to you here is simply... That Jesus means Jehovah hath become salvation. Now look at Matthew 121, and I'm just putting uh, realization to this. Look in Matthew 121, and it says here, thank you. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. 
for he shall save his people from their sins. Though the word Jesus means salvation, and this is the reference to it, and in the book of Luke, I'm reading here in chapter 2 and verse 25, 2 and 25 down through 30. Behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name whose name was Simon, and the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. This is when Jesus was born, and they had taken him to the temple to be named and to be circumcised. And it was revealed to him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So it had been revealed to him. And he came by the Spirit into the temple, And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now let us thy servant depart in peace according to thy word, for thine eyes have seen thy salvation. Thy salvation. Jesus means uh, Jehovah hath become salvation. So I'm pointing these things out to, to you here to let you know here that the name Jesus means that. Now, if you go to number three here very quickly here, I'm going to pick it up here uh, in this number three. But when Revelations, but from Revelations 5 to Revelation 22, it is all about judgment in, to, on the Gentiles and redemption for Israel. Judgment on the Gentiles, redemption for Israel. Now, Look in John 5.22. I'll refer to the first verse, the last verse here first. Look in John 5.22. This is in a reference here that I want to point out to you here. Look in 5.22. This is Jesus speaking now in his earthly ministry. For the Father judgeth no man. Isn't that interesting? The Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son. I have a reason for showing you all this. Verse 27 of that same chapter in in John 5. And have given him, that is the son, authority to execute judgment also because he is the son of man. So God in his justness being so just that he as God would not judge man because he had not been man until he had become man. And through Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ was the son of God. He was also God almighty manifest in flesh. We all know that many scriptures that validate that. And that's called the understanding of the oneness of the Godhead. And so Jesus Christ, therefore, was the sacrifice on Calvary. And it was God's way of saying, I became man that I might have the right not that God had had to have the right, but he is so just so that he would judge him as a man who lived his life and he lived the life perfectly because Jesus had no sin, knew no sin. He was the innocent blood that was shed on Calvary and yet he sinned none in his own personal life, so forth. Uh, now, this is what Revelation 5 is all about. I'm going to get back to Revelation 14 in a minute. Revelation 5, this is where Jesus takes the book out of the right hand of him who sits on the throne. This is not literal, this is symbolic. And it's speaking of the transference of judgment of God from him as creator to himself as the redeemer, that is, as the sacrifice, as the man. 
Look in verse chapter 5, verse 1. And I saw on the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written, wherein on the backside of seals and seven seals. These are all judgments that were coming. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof. Who's worthy? Nobody is worthy because this is judgments upon man. Nobody is worthy to cast judgment upon anybody else. But verse 6. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb. Notice the word lamb here. As it had been slain, having seven horns and ten eyes, seven eyes, uh, which are the seven spirits of God. You can look at that at Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2. I won't go into that. Seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. Verse 7. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat on the throne. This was actually a symbolic description here of the transference of judgment that was given from God as the creator to himself as the redeemer. Is this clear as mud or does everybody understand? All right. God bless you. Glad you all understand. I like to see all them hands up there. All right. God bless you. Now I'm going to move on a little further here because I've got some very interesting and good things here to show you. I want you to go to number four here, and this is uh, back to 14. Chapter 14 is a prophecy chapter within a prophecy book. And I want you to look with me on A here, Revelations 14, 1 through 5. Revelations 1 through 5. Go back to Revelations 14 now. We're going to get back into the mainstream of our lesson. This is very interesting. And I looked and lo, a lamb stood on Mount Zion and with him an hundred and forty and four thousand. Having his father's name written in their foreheads. Now, a hundred and forty four thousand. Who are those hundred and forty four thousand? And uh, having, uh, I want you to look with me here in uh, chapter seven of Revelation. Just go back to chapter seven in the book of Revelation And this is where it was first mentioned. We've already talked about it. I'm just mentioning it here again. Chapter 7 and verse 3. Saying, hurt not the earth, neither the seed of the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. And I heard the number of them which were sealed, and they were sealed in 140 and 4,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel. So number, chapter 14 here is starting to open up to us now about how the Lord is going to redeem Israel and bring them back into his favor. That's a lot of it. It's also about other things about us Gentiles and the judgment of God that is going to be given over, given unto the Gentiles because of their rejection of Jesus and the acceptance of the Antichrist. Let me just say one thing here, folks. When Jesus came the first time, the Jews rejected him as a nation. Now, there were first the early church was Jewish. You know that. But as far as the nation of Israel as a whole, they rejected Jesus as their Messiah. Then they went into judgment. And they have been scattered throughout the world since that time, 70 AD, when the Romans came in and conquered them and destroyed their city and their temple and everything. Scattered them all over the world. They have been scattered throughout the world for 2,000 years. The Bible says that a day with the Lord is a thousand years, a thousand years, one day Israel shall be scattered like this in bondage for two days. Two thousand years is just about all wrapped up now. We know that's why it's time for the Lord to come back. Now, whenever he changes from that 
he would judge the Gentiles because during that 2,000 years that he has had the Jews scattered and Jesus was not their Messiah and Jesus was not their Savior, and even though Jesus means Savior, was not their Savior, he became the Savior to the Gentiles who would believe. In other words, the grace of God is extended to all of us. You don't have to be a Jew. You don't have to be of, of Abraham. Because we're Gentiles. Whoever we are, we can be saved. But it's according to our faith. We're saved by, by, uh, by, uh, saved by grace. Grace is Calvary. We're saved by grace and that through faith. It is our faith. And that is the gift of God. God even gives us the, grace, the faith to believe him to receive, the, to receive the grace of God. The grace of God is Calvary. And our faith is to believe it. And our faith is manifested by the actions of faith. What do you mean, Brother Myers, by the actions of faith? Repentance. Being baptized in Jesus' name. Being filled with the Holy Ghost. It's not just saying, I believe. You know, you can say, anybody can say, I believe. But your actions prove it. And I've used this illustration before. I said, the building's on fire. And, and uh, I said, go out that door and you'll be saved. You know. And you don't go out the door. You don't believe the building's on fire. You see what I'm saying? The actions will show what you really believe. So I'm pointing out to you here how important it is for our belief to be put into action. Not only to be saved, but to stay saved. We have to live the life. We've got to walk with God and trust the Lord. Now, I want to move on here because I've got some very important things here to give you. and Some things that I am anxious to share with you. Uh, I'm going to move very quickly here. The 144,000 were these special elite Jews that God is going to use to raise up Israel in these last days, in the tribulation period, in that last three and a half years, get them ready, and then Armageddon will happen in chapter 19. I won't go into that because we're going to be dealing with that as we go through it. But I want you to note this, that 144,000 will be a very special group and God is going to use them and they're going to be the ones that's going to sort of take control of Israel. And there is so much about Israel ruling in the hunt in that thousand years of peace called the millennial. It's all through the book of Isaiah. It's all in Ezekiel. It's all in Isaiah. I, I could it'd take me. It, it would take me. It'd take me at least three months to teach a Bible study on all the scriptures that relate to the Lord restoring Israel back to her place and all the scriptures involved in it. But I won't get into that right now. Now, I want you to look with me here, if you would please, in B, part B right here. Now this is, everybody hang on to your bonnets. Everybody with me? Revelations 14, three, a new song. See that? Now I'm gonna read that in the book of Revelation. We want you to go back to the book of Revelations chapter 14. And uh, I'm going to read down, I've read 14.1. Now this is the ceiling of the 144,000. Verse 2, and I heard a voice from heaven as the voice of many waters and as the voice of a great thunder. And I heard the voice of harpers harping with their harps. Now, verse 3, everybody with me? And they sung as it were a new song, a new song. Before the throne and before the four beasts and the elders. And no man could learn that song but the hundred and forty and four thousand which were redeemed from the earth. 
we're talking about a new song. Now, while you're there, just turn over in your Bible to chapter 15. This is the very next chapter in Revelations. Look in 15.2. 15.2. And I saw, as it were, a sea of glass mingled with fire, and them that had gotten the victory over the beast and over his image and over his mark and over the number of his name stand on the sea of glass having the harps of God. And they sing a song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb. Now notice that. There's two songs involved here. What's this song business all about, Brother Myers? That's what I'm going to talk to you about right now. I want you to go with me over here to the book of Exodus for a moment. I'm going to talk about the song of Moses, first of all. And uh, 15, look in Exodus 15, 1. Then I'm going to explain to you what this is. I'm just going to read uh, two verses to you. 15, 1 and 2. Then sang, Moses, the ch- sang, then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord. And spake saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath thrown, as he thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song, and he is... He has become my salvation. That's what the word Jesus means. Jehovah hath become salvation. And he hath become my salvation. And notice here, here, that he talks about Moses' song. Another place that he mentioned about Moses' song is just before Moses went up on Mount Nebo and, 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 and died. And uh, he was told, the Lord told him that you will, you go up on the mountaintop and there you will. And I'm going over here to Deuteronomy chapter 32, 32 and 1. These are verses that I'm referring to here. Uh, it's, I just talked to you about 15. Now we go to Exodus, Exodus 15, 1 and 2. Uh, I'm sorry, I got the wrong. Oh, I got Exodus, I'm sorry. We just talked about Exodus. We're going to Deuteronomy 32, 1. 32, 1, and then I'm going to jump to 44 real quick. 32.1, give ear, O ye heavens, and I will speak and hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. This is Moses that's beginning to speak. And here throughout this 32nd chapter, and I won't read it, he talks to Israel and tells them, don't ever forget to keep the law and the words of God and be obedient unto the Lord. Keep his commandments. You'll be blessed He'll bless you when you go out. He'll bless you when you come in. He'll bless you in your fields. He'll bless you in your homes. He'll bless you. He'll bless you. He will bless you. And this was the song of Moses. He told Israel, if you'll keep my commandments, he'll do all these things. Jump into verse 44 very, very quick. And Moses came and spake all the words of this song unto the children of Israel. Now, I, I, uh, in, in, the, in the ears of the people. Now, the reason I'm telling you that is that this was the song of Moses. If they would keep the law, they're obedient to the word, they'd never lose it or never fail it. God will always be faithful to you. That's the song of Moses. And he let them know if you'll do that, God will be faithful to you. It's a covenant. The old covenant is the Old Testament. And a covenant between God and the children of Israel. If you'll obey it, I will do it. Of course, Israel was not faithful in being obedient to the word. But Moses said, if you'll always be faithful, God will be always faithful to you. Now, I'm going to say one thing here. 
If you want to be blessed in this life, folks, obey the word of the Lord in that Old Testament. If you pay your tithes, God's going to bless you financially. If you are kind to poor people and you help the poor, God's going to be, I'm telling you, it's in the word. It's in the word. If you, uh, if you keep the commandments, the very simple, basic things, honor God above everything else, love him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, all those kind of things. If you just keep those basic commandments, God will bless you in this life. Uh, you won't ever, you'll, God will look after you. He'll take care of you. He won't ever forsake you. But I want to take you a step further because this is what Israel had a troubles doing and so forth. But when David came along, David discovered something else about God. And I want to pass that along to you. And this was a new song that David had. He talked about it. Then I'm going to explain to you what that new song is. Uh, I want you to look with me, if you would, in Psalms. We're going to the next portion of that. If you look in Psalms 40 and 2. I'm going to show you what David found. Verse 40, in chapter 40, verse 2. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. I'm in Psalms 40 and now verse 3. He hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. This was the new song that David learned about God. It wasn't just saying, yes, Lord, and being obedient to the commandments, because that, that is filled with many blessings. But David discovered something else about God, that if I will praise him, and if I will worship him and glorify him, Not only will God bless me in all these things, but I'll have joy and my cup runneth over and I'll be full of happiness and the things that this world cannot give you. Praise the Lord. It's one thing to be secure. It's another thing to have the joy and the blessings and the goodness of the Lord and the assurance of eternal life. And David tapped into that. He tapped into that. The, the, The Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. And David discovered that out there with those sheep, taking care of those sheep and, and singing those songs unto the Lord. And God began to bless him. He could feel the anointing of the Lord as you praise the Lord. You know, uh, you will be blessed if you, for instance, if you are faithful uh, in the word of God, just faithful to God's word, God will bless you. But when you begin to praise him and glorify his name and lift up the name of the Lord, You begin to feel the presence and the spirit of God. Even if you don't have the Holy Ghost, you will feel it if you will begin to worship God. Praise the Lord. I know that before I ever got the Holy Ghost. Somebody said to me, lift your hands and say, praise the Lord. I said, I can't say to myself, I can't say that. I was repenting at the altar and I was crying and and I was calling on God. and, And somebody whispered in my ear, say, praise the Lord. I said to myself, I can't say praise the Lord. I don't I never have said praise the Lord. Say thank you, Jesus. I can't say thank you, Jesus. I don't know how to say thank you, Jesus. You know, I knew what the commandments were. I knew what I should do, what I should do, and so forth. But I, I could praise the Lord. And finally, I irked it out. I squeaked it out. I said, I love you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. I began to say those words. And man, I began to feel the Holy Ghost come all over me. I said, what's this? And it began to shake my body. 
And I'd been roller skating the night before, and my knees were skinned up where I'd fallen a few times. They were scabby. On a Friday night I had, this was Sunday night, I was praying through. And, and my knees were, and I'd shake my body and my knee. I said, oh, my knees hurt to myself. But I said, boy, that feels so good. <laughs> I said, praise the Lord. I knew I was going to shake. My knees are going to hurt. But oh my, that spirit felt so good. And I prayed through and received the baptism of the Holy Ghost that night. Now, the reason that I'm pointing all that out to you is there's something about praising God. David discovered that. Let me go a little further here. Another scripture here that I refer to. This is in Psalms 40. I'm just substantiating what I'm saying here. Look in 96. Psalms 96, 1. Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song. Everybody get the word new song? This is not the song of Moses. Now, this is beyond that. It's the song of Moses coupled with a new song. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. Verse 4. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. That's the new song that he's talking about. I'm going yet even a little bit further here. I'm going to Psalms 96. That's just a... Uh, 98 it is. That's just a couple of Psalms beyond that. Uh, 98 and uh, verse 1. O sing unto the Lord a new song, for he hath done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm hath gotten him the victory. Look at verse 4. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all the earth. Make a loud noise. Rejoice and sing praise. A lot of churches you go in, you don't find this. They, everything is quiet. I used to go to some denominational churches. When I was a kid, I'd go to just go to Sunday school someplace. I know how they are. You know, I haven't been Pentecostal. I've been Pentecostal most of my life, but I haven't been Pentecostal early on in my years. I used to go to Sunday school and other churches. Man, I've seen guys lay their cigars down on the banister outside, you know, as you go up the church steps. Lay them down out there. Go inside and have church. Come back out and pick up those cigars. Going right down the street. They sit there just as quiet. It's like a, like a funeral parlor. Quiet. Quiet in there. You come into a Pentecostal church. Man, everybody's praising the Lord. Folks, that's the way it should be. And it should be me and you praising the Lord. That's the new song. That's what you and I have when God gave us the Holy Ghost was a new song. Praise the Lord. And I thank God for that. And here's what it says here, verse 4. I'll read this. Continue reading this. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all the earth. Make a loud noise. Rejoice and sing praise. Verse 5. Sing unto the Lord with the, with the heart. Some, some places they don't even believe music instruments should be in the church. It says sing with the harp, With the harp and the voice of a psalms. Verse 6. With trumpets. That's a loud instrument. Sound of a carnet. Make a joyful noise before the Lord, the King. Amen. This is what Psalms is telling us all about. You say, oh, Brother Myers, that's just a couple of verses. No, let me show you another one. <laughs> Look in 33. I'm going back here. Look in Psalms 33. I think I'm right. Yeah, let's see here. All right. Yeah. Look at 33, 1. Rejoice in the Lord, O ye righteous, for praise is commonly for the upright. Praise the Lord with heart. Sing unto him with the psalter and with the instruments of ten strings. You say, Brother Myers, what's the instrument of ten strings? I don't know, but I've got them right here. You've got them. 
Praise the Lord with the instrument of ten strings. Hallelujah. And whenever they're playing these instruments, we've got ten strings out here. We can praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Use them. Use them. Thank God. Don't go. No, 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 no. Put them up here. Praise God. Hallelujah. So God's given us those ten strings. And then finally, verse 3 here, sing unto him a new song, play skillfully with a loud noise, for the word of the Lord is right and all the works are done, and so forth. And so God's word is so powerful, so truth. And then I'll read one more verse here. Look at Psalm 144, 9, and uh, I'll, I'll uh, move on here from this. Psalms 44, 9. Where am I? 44, 9. I will sing a new song unto the, thee, O God, unto a, upon a psaltery and an instrument of ten strings. Again, will I sing praises unto thee. I'm just t- saying here that David discovered that. And he said, folks, it's more than just keeping the commandments and being obedient to the word. And there's many, many benefits to that. Many But it's also praising the Lord. And David began to worship and praise the Lord. And he got Israel to praising and worshiping the Lord. That's why that time that he brought the ark into Jerusalem. And uh, that for the first time. And he was so happy to bring the ark of God into Jerusalem. And put it in the tabernacle that he had set up on the temple mount at that time. He was so happy about it that he danced before the Lord. And his wife saw him. She was Saul's daughter. She saw him dead with the Lord. She later said, oh, you look like a jest. You look like a clown out there jumping around. You know, you're a king and you ought to be looking stately and everything. He said, I did it as unto the Lord. Hallelujah. But folks, let me just say this. <clears throat> when we come to church, let's worship God. Amen. Let's praise the Lord. Now, I'm going to leave you this story and then I'm going, to, I'm going to close here. I've got other things to talk to you about, but we'll get into that next week. I, uh, I learned a long time ago, praise him under all conditions. And that's not always easy. See, the enemy will try to take away your praise. You try to take away your praise. You, you keep living for God's earth, but you try to take away your praise. I remember years ago, and I was a young man, I was in Bible college in, up in St. Paul, Minnesota. And uh, I was in my last year, and it was like in January. And I worked for a meat pack, a Swift's meat packing plant, uh, and uh, I worked in, in the evening shift. And uh, they, they employed 5,000 people at that time, day shift and the evening shift. And we students worked, some of us worked that evening shift. And I was being able to work my way on through school, and I was just about close to graduation, and everything was looking good. I went in one day on a Monday, and they said to me, uh, you have been bumped from your position and we cannot put you on the day shift because of the layoff in the, on the day shift. And a guy on the day shift has gone on the evening shift. He's bumped you because he has seniority over you, blah, blah, blah. So therefore, we have to let you go. I said, you're kidding me. And, I, and everything. And that's when at the end of the day, whenever I had finished working all that Monday, I had this denim jacket on, you know, and I put on this big old coat that I had. I had a big old big heavy-duty coat and a big fur collar. I got in my car, and I drove an old 50 Packard, but it ran, you know, and so straight-eight engine, you know. 
Anyhow, I drove that thing some swifts back home. And the whole time I was driving back home, folks, I looked like this. I was so mad. I said, I won't, I'm not going to make it. I will not make it. I will not graduate because I got to have the job to pay my bills. In the middle of winter, and I'm getting laid off, and you can't get a job anywhere because everybody's laid off, and people go on Social Security, and I didn't have all that stuff or, or, or whatever they call it. Anyhow, I never will forget, I went into my room. I took that old denim jacket off. I wadded it up, and I threw it in the floor. And I fell down on my face before God in that that old jacket, and I cried. Grown man, I wouldn't let nobody ever see me do that. But I whimpered and I cried, and I said, "God, it's not fair. It's not fair. I'm gonna. I won't be. I'm not gonna make it. I'm not gonna make it." And I cried and I went to sleep. I went to sleep. It was midnight. It was midnight at night. I had to go to school the next morning. And I cried myself to sleep for about 30 minutes. And then I woke up. And I remembered Brother Norris had said, at your lowest point, praise the Lord. Now, folks, listen to me closely. Praise the Lord. And I remember that. And I whispered it. I could just whisper it. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And I remembered when I got the Holy Ghost and those sisters and and brothers praying for me said, say praise the Lord. Say thank you, Jesus. And I said, I love you, Jesus. Just so soft. But I began to feel something. I said, wow, this is the Lord responding. And folks, in a half an hour, I was on my feet, walking around in that room, glorifying God. Praising. I must have worshipped God till 1 o'clock in the morning, some 1.30, I don't know. I worshipped and praised the Lord. The next morning, I got up and I went to school and be at school on time at 8 o'clock, so forth. I said, oh, well, we're starting a revival on Tuesday night. I'm going to go to church every night. Whatever, I'm just going to, I'll do it. Folks, when I went in Friday to get my paycheck, they told me, they said, we've changed our mind. You're not fired at all. We're transferring you to another department. Oh, by the way, the other department we're transferring you is easier work, and it also pays more money. Praise the Lord. And God did it. But I learned to praise him at all times, folks. And I feel the Holy Ghost in saying this. If we will praise the Lord when we don't feel like it, when you're sick in body even, When things are turned upside down on you, say, Jesus, I praise you with all of my heart. You may squeak it out. You may not feel like it. They may say, let's come down and worship the Lord. And you say, I feel like just sitting back here because my whole world's turned upside down. Just say, I'm going to do it anyhow because he's worthy of of our praise. And that's my new song. That's my new song. Hallelujah. Is praise unto the Lord. And let's do that right now. Let's just stand up and praise God and glorify him. And thank him, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Just worship the Lord with me right now. Jesus, we love you. Lord, we love you, we love you, we love you, God. How great you are, how great you are. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we praise your name. We praise your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, we'll always praise you. We'll forever praise you. And Lord, on the other side, we'll be praising you. Hallelujah. Oh, blessed be the name of Jesus. Thank you, God. Praise God.